Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Pursuing your future doesn't end at 40. In fact, it may mark the beginning of knowing who you are, what you're capable of, and what you really want. But knowing what's next and how to get there can be a challenge, especially when old narratives play on repeat. Liberty Road is here to share stories so that you can consider your possibilities, pursue your purpose, and move into your future with intention. I'm your host, Netta Jones, and we're here to listen, learn, and liberate dreams one episode at a time. Well, hello, Liberty listeners. Welcome to another episode of Liberty Road. Today, you guys, you get to hear from another Liberty Road dreamer, visionary, somebody who I've brought on the team that I am so excited for you guys to get to know. Her name is Stacy Lindsay. For those of you who have played around on Goop's website or on Maria Shriver's website, you've heard her name, and we're excited to include her on our masthead here at Liberty Road. Stacy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Netta. I am so stoked to be here with you. Thank you. <laughs> Me too. When this video goes out, people will see it. It's, it's an ear-to-ear grin. I'm thrilled to have you on this particular podcast, but also, as I said, a part of the team. So why don't you just let everybody know, what are you doing? What did you join Liberty to do? What's your mission here? Well, I'm going to steal two words that you just used. You said visionary, dreamer, I believe. And those are two good ones. I want to do all this dreaming with you and all this visualizing. And I love what you're doing with Liberty. And my gosh, just to be a part of that. And what is that really? It's Creating stories, telling stories, uh, culling information to really help women, I think, in their second, third, and beyond, just grab everything for themselves that they've maybe wanted to grab earlier in their lives. Stories around pro-aging, stories around mental wellness, stories around career wellness, all of that. So you asked for me to come on board to oversee editorial, and I'm a journalist, been a journalist for, gosh, almost 20 years now. So going to be overseeing editorial with you and hopefully really 
you know, reaching hearts and minds with this amazing platform that you started. Yeah. I am so excited. Me too. And I'll give the audience just a little background because it's kind of fun. And Trish, who's on our team, asked me yesterday, how do you know Stacy?" And I said, well, it's kind of funny. I had clients back in my consulting days who Stacy wrote an article about for Goop. They came running into my office and they're like, oh my gosh, we have an article up on Goop. Somebody talked about us. And that was the first time I figured out who you were. And this is five years ago, maybe, Stacy, four years ago. So it's some time back. Do you know who I'm talking about? I do, yes. Okay. They were so thrilled. I started following you, you know, on Instagram. And then sometime around like September, I think, you wrote an article about aging. I think it was aging and career and your own experience as somebody who had just stepped into her 40s. And it was on a completely different platform, one that I didn't know you had spent any time you know, working on. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to talk to this woman. I reached out to you on that platform at, at that address and never heard from you. And I was like, you know, one day, one day I'll meet this person. And then somebody commented on your yes. Instagram and and mentioned me, like, you need to see this. And I was like, there she is. There's that Stacy woman. <laughs> so I DM'd you and kind of the rest is history. We started talking last Thanksgiving. I remember I was on the East Coast driving in the woods and I was having my first conversation with you. And it was just sharing with you the vision of what I wanted Liberty Road to become beyond the podcast. And your enthusiasm and excitement for what I was wanting to build, I hadn't even started building yet, was kind of the first sign that this this was the woman to kind of take us to that next level. And then knowing your capacity for writing, editing, interviewing, all the things, and coming along some companies, businesses, also with a vision toward content and how you were able to influence and impact them, kind of sealed the deal. So let's talk about that history a little bit. When did you first become interested in journalism? I have to just go back to, yeah. I, I'm still pinching myself that we're having this conversation and it's just, it's telling because I feel this general evolution and revolution, like two things unfolding mm. for women. And we're sort of unlearning all these things, one of which is to be quiet or to not have pride or to not kind of, you know, ruffle any feathers or whatnot. And we're just coming out of our shelves now and really speaking up, speaking out, going after our dreams. And then on top of that, we're reaching out to other women and mm. we're all really lifting each other up. And it's taken us a long time. I think we've always wanted to be here and do this. But just again, the fact that you reached out, you know, how all these different women have connected us. And now yeah. here you and I are finally collaborating, having this conversation. It's just, it makes me, <laughs> makes me want to cry and, yeah. you know, laugh. And it's so many, so many great things. So I just love it. <laughs> all the things. I will say you just said evolution and revolution. Yeah. I feel like it's those two things combined, really. Yeah. I heard something the other day and it was something like evolution comes from the top, revolution comes from the bottom. I think it was evolution. I can't remember. But revolution was definitely from the bottom. And it made me think of how much this in this midlife space, or just being women in general, how much we've taken ownership of 
creating those opportunities for ourselves now. And so it's really that revolution of what it means to be a woman, what it means to be an aging woman, what it means to be a woman walking through this middle third of life, this second third of life. We're starting to own it and say, okay, no one's going to hand it to us, so we're going to change the narrative, whether it's going gray or talking about menopause or making space for ourselves in our careers we're starting to have ownership over that a little bit more. And I think that's where a lot of that collaboration and that energy is coming from. I think so. And I think we have now the beautiful audacity to ask why. Mm. And that's part of it too. We might not get all the answers. We might not see all the changes in this lifetime. I hope we do. But just to be continuously asking why and pushing that and not going with the status quo and turning around and kind of looking what's behind us rather than just keep going forward in the same path that everybody kind of expects us to go in. Maybe yeah. we'll stop, we'll kind of pivot, we'll go this way instead. But just that asking why is everything, I think. Yeah. Even if you don't get an immediate answer, still it's worth asking. I love it. I love talking about this. <laughs> Says the journalist, <laughs> yeah. asking why. So go back to that. Give us a little bit of your history in journalism and where that passion came from. Did you study it in school? Like, I, I want to know. I want the details. I did. And I, wow, I had inspiration kind of filtering in my life really at an early age. Inspiration that other people had too. But Diane Sawyer was it. She still is. But she was yeah. it. For me, I remember, gosh, I don't know, so, so, so young, before I was 10 years old, I mean, probably six or seven, watching TV, seeing Diane Sawyer. And I remember asking my mom, what is she doing? What is her job? Why is she doing that? And sort of starting to understand what it means to, quote unquote, report or to tell a story, to gather facts. Absolutely obsessed. And that grew, that grew into, I mean, it sounds almost corny and cheesy, but I always loved writing. I always loved storytelling. I always loved talking to people, asking questions that grew into working on the high school newspaper. And then in college, I did an internship. I grew up in Massachusetts. And so I went for undergrad at Boston University, ultimately ended up transferring to Emerson College. But I did an internship at the local CBS station in Boston. And I got to shadow Sharon Alfonsi. And she now is on 60 Minutes. She's one of the absolute most incredible journalists ever out there and shadowing people like her, shadowing people like Bob LaBelle, who was a local sportscaster. It just nourished my love of storytelling and kind of understanding that the way things present themselves aren't necessarily always the way things really are. And we need to kind mm -hmm. of peel back the layers all the time. So that, that started early on. I ended up getting my undergrad degree in film. I pivoted a little bit. It's still storytelling. Mm -hmm. Started my career off in New York at Magnolia Pictures, which was tiny at the time. Now it's uh -huh. huge. And I ended up working actually in the film industry for several, gosh, how many years was it? But I moved to LA. I was working for James Kahn, the late, great James Kahn. Yeah. And as his kind of every person um, landed that job after Magnolia. But I hesitate sometimes to talk about aha moments because I think that those rarely happen. I think it's usually sort of a steady collection of things. With that said, though... I had all that time I was working in film and I loved it. Journalism was an itch, was an itch, was an itch. I wanted to do it. I wanted to be writing more. I wanted to be interviewing. And my father died very suddenly. And so when I was in the hospital with him, he was in a coma the week prior to his death. I knew that was the time. I said, I can't, I can't keep, I wasn't wasting time, mm. but I was holding back on what I really wanted to do. So I made the decision. I wanted to go back to school, went back to graduate school, studied journalism and got my master's in journalism. And 
I've really just been pounding the pavement ever since, I think. <laughs> Scrappy is my middle name. So I've kind of covered the spectrum in terms of I've worked in news. I've been a news anchor, news reporter out in the field. I've worked for magazines, for newspapers. Now I'm deep in the digital world now. But it's just, it's what I love. Because again, going back to, I love the question, why? Yeah. Also how, also when, how many, you know, but just those questions. We don't ask enough questions. And I think sometimes... It can be hard, but when we really give ourselves the gift of listening more to, that transforms our days. So a long answer for you, no. I could talk about it forever, but it was always it was always that seed from early on. I appreciate the detail and the it's not a long answer. It's your story. <laughs> Go back a little bit to the different forms of media that you've been playing in and maybe share with us as the work you're going to be doing with Liberty is focused on the digital world, and that's the world that we live in now. How has that changed the way you report? How has that changed media? How has that changed the way you think we consume media? What do you like or not like about the direction we're going? It's such a good question because obviously we've seen how rapidly it's changed really in the past 20 years. We're talking about this right now and we, don't, we have no idea how much, but we know it's going to change yeah. really within the next two years, within the next five years. We know that, of course. I've always had this sense, though, I have to say, and the reason why I wanted to work in different medium and kind of dip my finger into everything, because I knew it was always going to be evolving. I didn't foresee newspapers. I mean, oh gosh, I love newspapers. I still love print magazines. I didn't think that they would have such a kind of a, a hard death mm -hmm. in a way that they did. I still think that they live on in many ways, but a lot of them unfortunately have folded. But I think I always had an inkling, this is going to be constantly evolving. And in order to be, I think, a really good journalist, you have to have, first of all, I think a lot of life skills, but then also more business skills than really you may realize in order to be able to kind of stay in the game. Mm -hmm. And that was really a decision behind why I've gone to various outlets, because it wasn't specifically, oh, I think this would be cool, or I want to be on TV, or I want to work for this, you know, huge women's wellness company. It was really, I wanted to get that education behind the scenes of how they were doing it and getting that feedback of what people or how people rather want to be consuming their information. And again, it is changing by the day. The news business was interesting for me because normally when people, for the most part, want to be TV journalists, I got my master's degree in print journalism, mm -hmm. not in broadcast. But there was an itch. When I got my master's degree and then I started really embarking on a pretty successful, I was lucky, pretty successful freelance print or digital and print career, I kind of got an inch. I wanted to do something kind of to earn my journalistic chops. And I thought, okay, how can I really do that? I think local and regional reporting are still some of the um, aspects of journalism that are the most critical and don't really get the acclaim that they deserve. So I thought, okay, I don't have any experience in broadcast TV at all, but I want to glean the tools from working in that field. I want to learn and know how to turn a story around to, you know, go out, report a story, turn it around so it's ready for the 5 p.m. news. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to produce my own stories. I want to be able to edit my own stories. So it was really a strategic move to go into TV news for that reason. And I went to a small market. I was a one-person show. Sometimes when I had live shots, I had a cameraman and some support with me. But for the most part, I was there on the ground with my camera, producing all my stuff, going live. Same thing with anchoring too. I was stacking my own show, producing it. So I knew that those tools in some way would lend themselves to the next iteration of my career and next iteration of journalism that I hopefully was going to be working in. 
I didn't want to stay in news, but I think the news business, as incredible as it is, it is obviously, we're using the word change a lot, it is rapidly changing. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, it wasn't an environment that I really wanted to stay in after I finished my contract. I had the incredible opportunity to anchor around the country. And I actually, it was tough, but I turned them down because I just thought the business is changing. It's a hard lifestyle. My ultimate goal wasn't to be an anchor in New York or some big market. I wanted to just have all those tools. So I moved back to LA and Goop was really on my radar at that point. Yeah. What Gwyneth was had been doing for several years at that point, I thought she's really reaching people. Of course, it's Gwyneth Paltrow. So yeah. she's got to captivate people. She's incredible. But there was something with her platform that she was doing, and it was the newsletter platform, and she was hosting things on the Goop site too. And I thought, that's different. That is just, at the time it was nascent, but it was really burgeoning and really, really hitting in a zone that was super new. And I thought, I want to I want to get into that. I want to learn what they're doing. So and I still don't know how I did it. I, I got, <laughs> got myself an interview and got in there. So. <laughs> Well, I mean, lucky them, right? Uh, that's what I think. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that experience is probably the most similar to the work that you'll be doing and are doing at Liberty. What about that did you love? Because you've remained in it in some capacity, right? Gosh. Do you know how sometimes you hear about these companies and they just attract these diamonds? Mm -hmm. I mean, it was the women that I got to collaborate with and work with, many of whom are still my actually best, best, best friends. So that was a huge part of it. The fact that it was so new and groundbreaking, the questions again that Gwyneth was asking and that she was really giving us the permission, I should yeah. say, to ask ourselves and our stories. I mean, I loved that. But then the other end of it too, when you get that feedback from people that they really wanted, you know, some sort of maybe a story on sexual wellness mm -hmm. that nobody else was really covering a story on how to amicably break up with somebody. No one was really covering that. And I'm not saying that other outlets weren't doing enough. I just think that goes back to this conversation we're having. We haven't really fully been giving ourselves permission to ask these maybe unladylike and super bold questions. And we finally are. And she was a pioneer in that. So yeah. I was there at the table kind of shepherding that along and finding the the audacity to ask my own questions that I wanted to talk about and stories I wanted to cover. So that's what I loved. It was just don't hold back. Just go freaking do it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what we should all be doing. And the same thing with Liberty Road and what you're doing too. I'm grateful to say there is some really amazing pro-aging content out there. There's some really amazing pioneering stories around women growing, women getting older, whatever it is, going in the lanes that they really ultimately want to be going in. But we're still really afraid, I think. There's still a lot of fear. There's still a lot of yeah. what ifs. There's still, still a lot of how do I. And I know that I don't have the answers. None of us do. So I think that's the next step of this is the new frontier, at least for me and for what you're doing is just talking about, okay, what do we do in this as you coined the second, third, you know, yeah. what do we do in this middle ground to set ourselves up to have an incredibly beautiful, long, happy life, joyful life, and then also to pave the way for the generations behind us. 100%. Too. So let's start asking some of those really tough questions again. And you're doing it. Yeah. Our friend, Wendy Euler likes to talk about that. How are we reaching back? Both she and I have daughters and we've talked a lot about that. Like, how are we creating something that's better for them? And I will say for our sons too, because they will be working in concert with women, whether it's in a relationship, whether it's at work, whether it's negotiating the future as they take over as leaders, it's for their sake as well. 
that article that you wrote that I first saw, what were you afraid of when it came to thinking about your own age? You were stepping into very early into this second third and asking yourself questions about, am I doing what I want to be doing? What was that like? What was stepping into that like for you? And what prompted you to write an article about it? I've written several articles about it since, and I've been doing a lot of research around around it. And the it being, I'm 41. So I'm new. I'm fresh in my 40s. I'm fresh in quote unquote middle age. And I am loving this. And at the same time, nothing about this is really what I thought it was going to be like. I'm still really freaked out about things. And I still really struggle with, have I done enough? Am I ambitious enough? Am I too ambitious? I don't have children. Um, That's a choice that I've been able to make. Mm. But still, it's a question that lives in my mind. And I know that I'm in a cohort of many other people who are child-free, childless and child-free, because sometimes we choose, sometimes we're not able to choose. What is that conversation? Did I do the right thing? Did people around me do the right thing? What is the right thing? So it's, it's excitement coupled with genuine, genuine fear that I'm letting fuel more excitement, I think. But I want to dig into that more. And it's just a finally coming to a realization, wow, things are different in terms of our looks change, our bodies are changing, you know, our wants are changing, our desires are changing, all of that. So how do we really nourish that and not feel like that change means we're less than or we're lacking, but that change is really cool and exciting. Just we need to take really good care of ourselves. So it's it's a constellation, right? It's so many things. And when I mentioned, you know, being in my early 40s now and loving it, but at the same time really thinking nothing is what I thought it was going to be, there's this old narrative that's been going on, particularly I think in the Western world, particularly in the US, where you reach middle age and you reach it with privilege, you reach it with a certain amount of money in the bank, you reach it with a certain amount of accomplishments. Most likely if you're a woman, you should have children, all of these shoulds. And then you have, you're afforded this ability to kind of step back and maybe find some malaise or find some apathy, or maybe you're bored. This story really, really sticks to men primarily, but Mm -hmm. it also, I think, sticks at large to just people. And I thought, I don't have the time, nor the funds, nor the energy to kind of like, this is different. I'm still Mm -hmm. hustling. I'm still, you know, learning so much. In a lot of ways, I still feel like I'm 17 and, you know, just with kind of all that I have to learn. So it is just different. And then partner that with the fact that the world is different. The world is tough. It's beautiful, but it's really tough. We have rising rates of inflation. We have wildly changing economy, wildly changing ecosystem of how we work and where we work. So much is, you know, the environment, of course. There's so much working in a sense I don't want to say against us, but it is creating sort of a mountain that we have to climb. And I think we need to start taking all of that into consideration too when we're growing older and really leaning into our our middle-aged years. How can we do it in a way that honors the reality of what's going on around us? I think there's a lot of wisdom to that. And, And when we can do that and when we're shown a way to do that, then we can embrace our midlife in a fresh way, as opposed to, I think, you know, these old narratives that play on repeat, that ambition or that sort of want or desire is really for the younger set. Like at this point, be a lady and be satisfied. Start wanting for 
retirement or gardening or knitting or grandkids or whatever at my age. I'm, I'm 55. I mean, th- that'll come, but I'm not, I'm nowhere near that. I'm nowhere close to feeling that way in my life. And I will also say, and I don't know how many women feel this, but I'll just speak for myself. I don't feel like I've fully realized my capacity in my work life, in what I want to bring to pass. I've done some really cool things and I've had some successes, but none of them feel like the kind of fullness of what I can bring to the table now in my life, what I can do now, who I know, what I've learned, you know, the way my own vision for what we're creating um, has been formed by all of those years feels brand new and exciting. And if we can bring that to other women, if we can bring that excitement to them, then I think we will have accomplished a large part of our mission in having them rethink midlife as an opportunity and an opportunity that they didn't have before, not the end of an opportunity, not hurry up and get it done before it's over, but a a brand new landscape in which they can reimagine what their present and their future can look like. Having said that, the tension in midlife is also our parents are aging. We've lost parents. Some of, we've lost some of our friends. And there is a very sobering reality that our days can be numbered. We've lost that thing, or maybe we haven't lost it. Maybe we've dealt with it. We've wrestled with it and we've dealt with it. And we don't have the same, I'm untouchable, nothing can get me that youth sort of has. We're like, nah, it's it's coming for all of us. So there's this tension of there's so much more to do and so much more time and oh my gosh, is this it? And is it over? And how many days do I have? And I think, you know, it it would be great if all we did was rah, rah, the you're not too old and it's not too late. But I think the beauty of what we're trying to create is, is matched with all the tension that we feel and being honest about those other things. And that's where I think the magic will happen is holding space for both of those things and being honest about both of those things. As you imagine the stories you want to tell on Liberty, as you hold space for both of those things that I just mentioned, what excites you, you know, being an entrepreneur within the Liberty space, like what do you want to bring to women? How do you want to change the narrative? I want to invite more women to know that there is absolutely nothing wrong with where they are right now. Because going back to what we've been talking on, talking about what I've talked about with my lived experience, have I done enough? Was this the right thing? Am I where I'm supposed to be? All these questions. You are. Because that's where you are too. And I do feel when we hear that from somebody else, even somebody who may not know us, through stories, through journalistic work, whatever it may be, it can be very, very, very compelling and it can be very motivating and it can also be really validating. So I just want women to know that, number one, you're where you're supposed to be, um, where you are is right. And just kind of to be really tapping into that intuition too, Mm -hmm. because a woman's intuition is bar none the most incredible thing 
there's nothing more amazing than a woman's intuition. Nothing. So that's one thing. The other thing is to really start looking at some of these things, I hope, to really give ourselves, again, I've been using this word permission a lot, and or to have the audacity to really look at some of the whys. Again, going back to that word why, which is what I love, uh, we can say these things. We can have the listicles. They can be so helpful and motivating. You know, here are five reasons why midlife is so great. I love it. I want to hear it all the time. But here are also five reasons of why we've doubted ourselves for so long. And let's toss these aside. Let's start to really go back and kind of unpack it in a really inspiring way too, because you know, there's a lot. But kind of really that unlearning part is just as important as the learning part. So if we can start to dig into that, and I know that we will be, Netta, really start digging into, oh my gosh, we've kind of been feeling this sort of maybe jealousy. We've been feeling this fear. We've been feeling this reticence because this has really been going on and we just haven't been talking about it. A lot of it's the patriarchy, right? But really peeling back those layers and just seeing how they've kind of been codified in a way that is seeping into our DNA so, so much that you being in your mid-50s, me being in my early 40s, and some woman behind us too who's in her early 30s, some woman maybe who's in her 80s, it's really impacting us in ways we don't even realize. I think that, like pulling apart these really tightly woven pieces and better understanding it, I think that's going to propel us to the next level. And then thirdly, it's community. We can't hear it enough. We know how important community is, but that really beautifully intentional seasoned community, you know, and I mean, I use the word seasoned because people coming to a place together with all their wisdom, with all their sort of incredible stories and looking to share it to kind of better others and to to bring their, you know, to, what is it, their, all the boats rise? Yeah. I, yeah, I always butcher that one. <laughs> I know what you mean, yeah. It's collective work. It is. I've talked with you about this mm-hmm. before. I mean, how much this is collective work. We can't do any of this by ourselves. Um, and really understanding the things that trigger us, understanding the things that, again, continue to fuel our fear, talking about them out loud. Because, you know, every time when you admit something, holy cow, you're afraid of that? I am too. You know? Yeah. There's like a sense of relief. You can kind of see everybody's body language just change and everybody starts to kind of loosen up and be more open. So I'm hoping to really build this community and to, you know, just spark conversations between incredible women and, you know, see where it goes too, because it's the great unknown. Yes. And we need to go there together too, holding each other's hands. So there's a lot, there's a lot. (laughs) You talk about community and we will get into this later with our audience, but that's something we're building intentionally too. Like how do we connect people to one another? How do we connect them to the stories that you and I will be telling on the podcast and on the website? Um, How do we give people access to those great minds and those wise minds and those that have come before us and those that are in the trenches with us? And how do we do that in, in practical ways where we, you know, our audience can feel the benefit of, of all of those things. Was it you turning 40 that sparked your interest in sort of this pro-age conversation or was it something else? Was it something that you were seeing outside of yourself? It was a lot earlier than 40. 40 is a fascinating number to me. I describe it as being a beacon mm-hmm. in a mountain at the same time because 40 is always this beacon of hope, I think, for a lot of us. You turn 40 and you get an upgrade. You find this clarity. You find your voice. You don't care what people think, all these things. And I do feel a lot of that is true. At the same time, 
Oh, I'm 40. (laughs) You know, it's it's a weird one. And I don't get it. What is it about that number? 50 obviously is a big one. 60 is a big one. 30 is a big one. All the these decade numbers. But but there's something about 40 that I just don't really, I can't grasp it. And I'm really starting to unpack that more in my research. And when I call it a mountain, because then it's like, oh, I got to cut, you know, I got to climb this. I got to stay relevant after, you know, I'm 40 now. I got to do this better. I got to work harder, all of that. But interestingly, Netta, this really started probably a decade before. Wow. Particularly when I, in my early 30s for me, so that was the time I was 32 and I moved to the Midwest. I took an anchor job, anchor and reporting job. So I was suddenly in a very public facing journalism role. I was on TV every night. I was anchoring the news. And that in and of itself kind of made me sort of super aware of the currency of kind of your looks and why that matters. I wish it didn't, but it does. Um, That's another conversation I hope that we really move forward with Liberty Road is just what is it with that? But that brought that into the field. And at the same time, interestingly, I grew up outside of Boston and I have lived in New York, Boston, LA, went to grad school in Boulder, kind of lived in very progressive cities. Moving to the Midwest was sort of a culture shock for me. An incredible place, unbelievable people, and also a different pace of living, a different perspective on things, particularly when it came to women who were unmarried and didn't have kids. Again, 32 years old, by all accounts, I think that is freaking young. Yeah. And I felt super, super, super judged for I was without kids and I was not married and I was an anomaly there. And it started actually really sparking this conversation in me. Should I be having kids? Am I behind? Am I doing this job way too late? You know, should I have started working in TV news when I was in my early 20s? Like what path am I on? What trajectory? Mm. All this thing. And it has been a mild obsession ever since. And then after that, I moved into the women's wellness space. I started working at Goop and it became super fascinating there too, because I did a lot of coverage on, of course, women's wellness, but then of course, um, the spectrum, it was a very wide spectrum of when it came to the readership. You had women who were in their 20s and their 30s, women who were in their 60s, 70s. So kind of having those conversations with a lot of women of various ages. And then career was a big one I was covering too. And just seeing how critical of a piece career was for women. And I get that too. But again, the have I done enough or am I missing out if I pull away from my career to do this, to get married, to have kids, whatever it may be. So it's just this abstract idea of calendarized age in a sense, because age is just an abstract thing. But when we start to put this sort of calendar, you know, number on it, then it becomes a really freaking weird, scary thing. So yeah, it started in my early thirties. Like what is going on? <laughs> it's like, what is this? I think that's one of the things, not, not that you started obsessing about it in your thirties, but the fact that you're in the first 10 years of this this stage that we're saying is 40, 50, 60. I'm in the next phase. And then there's another phase ahead of me. I think that's part of what was so interesting to me is that you were so fascinated with this subject, you know, and put yourself out there in writing about it right as you're turning 40. Because that article I read was about you turning 40. And I thought, I don't even think I felt middle-aged until I was in my later 40s. I don't know, maybe I'm really slow, but I was finding myself in situations where I was the oldest person in the room. And I was very steeped in the entrepreneurial space. And so I was going to conferences or I'd be asked to speak at a conference or be a panelist at the conference. And I could tell when I was walking in that they're like, 
somebody's mom's here to pick them up, right? I didn't really belong in the space. Or conversely, I had this one situation happen where I was speaking. And after I got off stage, I invited people if they wanted to come talk to me to come talk to me. And there was you know, a grouping of people who were waiting to chat, which was less about how amazing my speech was and more about I was the only old woman in the room to them. And I was 47. And they wanted to talk to me about how did you do it? How did you manage your life and your career? Again, it was just because I represented to them something they hadn't seen in their own mothers. And they were like, oh, we want to know how to navigate this space. We don't understand how to do that. And it was then that I started to become interested in how do we start to tell more stories about women who are starting new things later in life? How do we start to help those that are in their 20s and 30s realize that you don't have to be in a rush? You, you've got time. You can build on this. There's so much you don't know and you have yet to learn. So it's interesting to me, and it was one of the reasons I love having your mind and your brain involved in this is that your approach is from the very early part of this stage and how you're viewing it and how you're thinking about it. You think about some of these constructs that we're up against too, and they're presented to us as really good things. One of that always comes to mind is the the lists, the under and then enter the yes, age yes. list. Incredible. I want to read about people who are accomplishing incredible things, but the way they're presented, you know, so the top 30 under 30, yeah. for instance, whew, what does that say to somebody? Yeah. It says, yeah, of course, this person's doing incredible things, but they're doing incredible things. Can it be a little more elastic in terms of when, you know, you know, can't yeah. the age be left out? Because to me, that says you're not doing enough. You didn't get on a list, you know, before 30 years old, or you didn't, you know, invent this thing that splices, whatever it might be. Yeah. And again, and that goes back to this conversation of, or the point that I was saying about 42, when I thought everything about this is just different than I thought it would be because I thought I would arrive here and just be able to kind of rest on my laurels and go, oh, okay, I'm here. I can just chill for a bit. And no, part of that is because I don't want to. I want to keep going. I am so grateful that I feel good and I still have a fire in me and I'm not freaking slowing down. But I also, though, part of me wants to change the terms. I don't want to do it on, on other people's terms yet. And I have never made a list, uh, an under 30 list. I haven't yeah. made an under 40 list. And that used to upset me, not necessarily the list specifically, but what it stood for. And now I'm really learning, again, unlearning to let that go too. But these things that have been presented to us in a way, they kind of set us up to find disappointment in ourselves, to find some reasoning behind maybe saying that we failed and we haven't mm. failed. And that goes back to what I really want women to know and anyone, any regarding their gender, anyone to know that. But there's a lot of things that we need to just kind of give the middle finger yeah. to, quite honestly. Like, that's just dumb. I'm not going to do that anymore. And again, I applaud anyone who's gone on a list. I'm just using that as an example. It's just these really abstract ideas. And they can be really hard. And they turn into these brick walls against which we just break our bones. And there's no need for that anymore. None. That's dismantling all that we know, right? That's that part. But what are you excited to... Embrace yourself and help our readers, our listeners, our community embrace 
as they start to navigate this season of life and their own hopes and dreams, many that haven't been realized. Like, what is it that you hope to kind of usher in through the work that we're doing, through your personal work? As we say, you know, we want you to rethink and reimagine this middle third. What is it that Stacy wants to do to help usher that rethinking in? It's part of my personal journey. It's part of the reason why I ask these questions and do journalism. I'm defining this and discovering this for myself. But I'm realizing, and I want other people to realize that every single one of our lives is different too. We can be completely inspired by people. We can envy people, which I think there's a real beauty in, in health in, in seeing where our envy kind of leads us and who it leads us to. At the same time, we are our own unique beings, having our own unique lived experiences. So there's not a right way. There's not a wrong way. There's just a way. I think the best way is to do it in a way that is totally authentic and caring of ourselves. And then ultimately, when we really realize that and do that, that is the best thing for humanity too, because we're paving the way for other women. So mm. again, Netta, just if there is a story or if there's a conversation or if there is a workshop, whatever it is that allows a person, a woman, a reader to put something down that they just didn't want to be carrying, an expectation, a role a partner, a way of life, whatever it may be, so they can just loosen up and walk a little freer, a little happier toward whatever it is that's next for them so they can say yes to this thing that really is is for them, yeah. for her. That's what I hope. Because we're caring a lot and we've been served yeah. a lot. And a lot of this stuff, it, it wasn't sort of a voluntary buffet that we're like, oh, I think I'm going to pick that up and carry that around. It wasn't. <laughs> it was really, really just given to us, again, the patriarchy is behind this. And it's not just hurting women too. It's hurting men. It's hurting all people. But if we can start to really put some stuff down and just to loosen up a bit and to find ourselves too, I think that yeah. is going to be one of the greatest, greatest gifts that we can do with Liberty Road. And I've already talked to some amazing women for Liberty Road about this, starting to date ourselves again, whether we're in partnership or not, whatever our lives look like, but just really emboldening that relationship with ourselves and just asking ourselves questions. What do we like? It can be anything to the foods we eat, to the places we want to go, to how we want to spend our weekends, to what we want to read, the media we want to consume, the conversations we want to be having. Maybe we always thought we were extroverted and we're really introverted. Just discovering that too, that, that's everything. Yeah. So I hope that, that just makes me really excited. I like that date with yourself terminology. That's awesome. We internally talk a lot about our mission is to help women unpack what's now and what's next. And you just did that beautifully. If we can let go, if we can lay down those things that we're carrying, those burdens, those things that are painful to us, they are the things that are keeping us from our wildest dreams. They are the things that are keeping us from our future. And so it's not enough, again, for us to tell stories, to have workshops, to have podcasts within Liberty Road about the excitement towards what's next if we're not helping women address what's now, what they're going through right now, and helping them to embrace those things that they love about their now and let go of of those things. And again, you really beautifully um, illustrated that. Thank you for that. What would you say that are the midlife issues right now that are unique 
So perhaps the issues that our mothers didn't go through, and even though there's you know 15 years between us, we can make some assumptions about what each of our mothers experienced in midlife that maybe is is different. It's unique now, for better or worse. What are you seeing? I'm seeing some very specific themes when I talk about the evolution and the revolution going on, where people are really saying, does it have to be this way? And also evolving in leaning into what, how and you know, what they really are, how they want to be. I'm seeing it happening in the conversation around family, redefining family. So if that means questioning if they should have had kids, if they should have kids, if they can have children in a different way to not have kids, all of that. Again, it is a constellation. This is, we would need 20 million hours to unpack that. And it's such a beautiful and needed conversation, but family, redefining family, children, no children. Then also too, family in terms of friendships and these, you know, rebuilding relationships and what does family look like? That's a huge one. I think also the economy is huge and we needed to be talking about this more. And that's really mired in the fact that so many of us have to be working for probably a lot longer than we expected to. It's tough out there. And so how do we do that sure. in a way that, again, we continue to care for ourselves? How do we continue to fight for better pay? How do we continue to fight for gender equity in the workplace? Again, like I'm 41 and thankfully I'm in a place where I'm able to care for myself and I'm, I'm able to save money. But it took me a long, long time to get to a place because money was a super scary thing for me. And I think it is for a lot of women. So I think money, the economy, and that's, mm -hmm. again, kind of coupled up with career too. That's a huge one we're facing. Exciting, but at the same time, there's a lot of fear there too. So we need to be totally unpacking that. And of course, the change in our health, our bodies, what's going on, perimenopause, is just starting to kind of come into the conversation. I didn't even know what that was several years I ago. didn't either. <laughs> perimenopause, menopause, and then peeling back all those layers too. Again, talk about a stigma and shame around it. My gosh, that's a huge one. So mm -hmm. having these conversations with these incredible people, scientists and doctors in this field who are just discovering things that we didn't even know were possible to better our quality of lives and all of that. So that's, that's obviously a huge one. Again, the evolution, revolution, I think a lot with sexuality and sex, and it's not gendered by any means. We'll just be talking about women here really fully embodying yeah. their sexuality. I hope this happens for younger women, of course, but it took me until I was 40 to really, really, really see what I wanted in my sexual self, who my sexual self was and is. And I think it's huge. I've talked to other people too. Like, is this is the case for you in partnership, in not in partnership, sex with one person, sex with just yourself, whatever it is. The conversation around sex is so huge right now. And particularly for women 40 and beyond, I think it's yeah. pretty amazing. So those are, I think, are the, the main buckets <laughs> of things. That last one that you hit on in particular, I think it's the, as we move away from, from seeing ourselves and having men see us as for their pleasure, and we start to reverse the way we think about ourselves and the way we think about that relationship as being something that we have it's not just a right. It's like, it's something more beautiful than a right. It's like something more innate than a right, but it is a, a right as well. To be the ones who are calling the shots 
about ourselves and how we want to experience that sort of relationship, that sexual relationship. And I think, you know, we can't underestimate that one in particular and how that one changes and shifts so many other things. And, you know, as you were talking about money and work and the economy, I think another thing, as I'm in that next that next decade in this middle third, the other thing that I'm mindful of is how many women I talk to who are not aware of their financial situation, who've given the reins over to somebody else. And as much as they're curious, they're not putting in the time or maybe they don't want to feel less than by asking the dumb questions, right? Asking questions they feel like, oh, that's going to evidence that I have no idea what the hell's going on. I think as we talk about money and economy and how it impacts us, I think it's also really starting to reclaim that responsibility and ownership of that in our lives so that we can be thoughtful about what we want the, that third third of life to look like so we can participate in it in a meaningful way. It's one thing to say about the patriarchy, like pointing the finger at you, 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 but there's also an opportunity for us to go in and take some of those things and reclaim some of those things. So uh, Liberty listeners, that's just a little bit of what (laughs) what we're going to bring to you, what we're hoping to bring to you. I want to ask you a kind of a, a funny question, but you're at a brunch in New York and they're about to give you, Stacey, the award for something that you did that changed the trajectory of how women see themselves in midlife. What would you want them to say as they're like, and Stacy Lindsay, come, you know, come to the podium and receive your honor for doing what? Breaking binary ideals. That's a thing that has hurt probably every single one of us. This idea mm-hmm. that things are binary, nothing is, except for a quarter or a dime that you flip. Nothing else is. Yeah. Everything is filled with nuance, filled with stories, filled with emotion, filled with color, filled with yeses and nos and maybes. Everything, every person, every story, every trajectory. That's what I hope to accomplish with the questions I ask, the stories we're doing together, Netta, the stories I do for Liberty Road and outside of Liberty Road, the reporting I'm doing for personal projects, is to shed a light on the binary approach, motherhood, Mm -hmm. sexuality, midlife, career, happiness, joy, all of that. It's not binary. It's not this or that. So if there's an award out there for breaking binary (laughs) ideals, please submit me for consideration. (laughs) You know that's what I'm Googling as soon as this podcast is is over. Or perhaps we'll just create our own. (laughs) I love it. No, I think it's important. It's so great, I think, for people to hear. I mean, that's your why, right? You talk about asking other people the question of why and breaking down why. That's the thing you want to solve for. And I think it's great for people to hear that. And this probably is a similar question, but who are you hoping to serve on this mission and with your vision for impacting the entire community that you'll be able to impact here at Liberty Road. Who do you want to serve? I want to serve the woman who 
maybe on an afternoon, maybe it's been one afternoon, maybe it's been several afternoons, who hasn't felt worthy, who hasn't felt beautiful inside, who hasn't felt enough, who has that itch. And I think this is every woman. This is me. This has been me countless Mm. times. Again, to know you're where you're supposed to be. It is tough out there. I don't know why it has to be so tough, but it is. But it also is beautiful. And you're enough. And we're all in this truly in similar ways. We're all dealing with similar things. Even the people who look so stunning on TV and on Instagram, you assume they have everything together. They're feeling this way too. But I can guarantee, I know fact, I have. I have felt that way. Just that inner beauty, that inner worthiness was just gone. It wasn't even a thing. I want to speak to that woman. It makes me cry. I felt it too many times. I don't want my niece to feel that way. I don't want you to feel that way. I don't want her to feel that way. I don't want anyone to feel that way. So if I can reach that woman, no matter her age too, if she happens to be technically in midlife, amazing. But if she's 22 or if she's 82, I hope to speak to her. I hope we have an audience of women that are younger, that'll kind of peek around, that we're cool enough that they can peek around all things under the umbrella Liberty Road out of curiosity and say, I hope to be those women. I hope to be living the life of the stories I'm hearing on that platform. I hope that we can captivate them in a way that makes them excited for the next phase. Steeped in reality, because there's some things that we don't get in this season. But that's also part of the the beauty of experiencing each of these seasons is that we can embrace them and we can appreciate them for what they're worth. You know, just because you work with Liberty Road doesn't mean that you get away without the fast five. So I'm going to ask you these (laughs) last five questions. You're not off the hook. What's a daily practice that keeps you grounded? Walking. Every time. It does it every time. I try to walk every morning. I have two dogs, so I do walk pretty consistently, but I do try to go for a brief walk by myself every morning. If I can't get it in in the morning, I do it in the afternoon. It's always walking, phone-free. And what are you currently reading? Oh my gosh. Some really good stuff. Really good stuff. I'm reading... Rainsford Stauffer has a new book, All the Gold Stars, and she really re-envisions what ambition means. She's an incredible um, journalist, writer. This is her second book. I cannot recommend this enough. I just finished Elise Lunin's On Our Best Behavior. You know, you and I are both Elise fans. She's incredible. I'm lucky to call her a friend, a mentor, and a former colleague of mine. So, or a current colleague too. She's incredible. Her book is, it's on the bestsellers list for a good reason. So I just finished that. Can I just say we're getting her on the podcast? So I just want to shout that out. So we're excited about that. I'm so stoked. I didn't know if we were allowed to say that or not. I cannot wait. Yeah, I'm, I'm claiming it. I'm claiming it. <laughs> I can't wait for you two to talk. And I'm reading this book called The Golden Spruce. So I know people probably talk about this a lot where they kind of dabble in different genres, whatnot, to kind of keep your brain fresher. The Golden Spruce is this beautiful book about the Pacific Northwest, and it's about the logging industry. Something so out of my ecosystem, so out of my world, but it is <laughs> utter delicious escapism. I'm almost done with that. So, But they're all nonfiction. So I think I'm going to pick up some fiction the next round. <laughs> okay. We will have all those in the show notes because people are going to want to read those. I'm interested myself. Outside of Elise's, I don't know the other two books. So that'll be fun. And then what's something that you are savoring, that you're loving about this particular age that you are right now, today? 
Going back to the walks, I've been doing those consistently. And every time I go on a walk, it is going on a date with myself. And I mentioned that earlier. And I'm digging getting to know myself more. It's been so fun. I have been putting stuff down that hasn't been serving me. I have realized all the stuff that I was just embarrassed about or ashamed of or feeling like I wasn't enough, whatever it might be, I'm starting to genuinely put that down. And that's getting me really excited. And so I've been discovering a lot of that going on my walks. It's been changing my life, quite honestly. I'm really into this concept. I mean, it's something that we know just spending this time alone, but I love this date with yourself because we usually bring our best selves on our dates. And I love that piece of it. It's not just being alone, you know, watching Netflix or being in your robe in the bathtub or whatever. It's much more intentional getting to know yourself. I love that. And what would you want your 25-year-old self to know about this season? What would you want to say to her? There is a lot. There is a lot. I I could probably fill an hour um, really touching on the main buckets that you and I talked about when it comes mm-hmm. to money, when it comes to sexuality, when it comes to career. There's a lot that I would love to sit her down and just tell her the things that I wish somebody had told me, good and bad. But it's kind of neither is good nor bad. It's just, it's it's steeped in reality. This is the way it is. So Maybe take care of yourself a little bit more in regard to starting to save earlier. Maybe realize that your career doesn't have to be the most critical thing in your life. Maybe realize that ambition is something that you can kind of turn and put towards, say, being ambitious about friendships. That's something that I just learned from Mm -hmm. Rainsford's book, so I'm actually stealing that Mm -hmm. from her. But I would ultimately, though, and there's more, There's there's of course more, but I would ultimately just say to her, you're enough you're enough. Going back to those lists, going back to those expectations, I always felt propelled by this idea that I wasn't enough. So I had to sort of churn out more. I had to deliver more. I had to be there more for people. And I was enough then. I'm enough now. Everybody is. But I would want her to know that. Gosh, I would save her so many headaches and sleepless (laughs) nights and tears. (laughs) There's nothing that you said that we couldn't say to our midlife selves too, because there's going to be a 70-year-old version of us that looks back on these years and says, gosh, I would say to her, she's enough. I would say to her, turn some of that ambition towards your friendships, right? I mean, there's those things can be said of us now. So I'm glad you shared them for your 25-year-old self, but I'll go ahead and take that advice for myself. <laughs> Final question and of course, for obvious reasons, but how has your work as a journalist liberated you? It continues to liberate me in the truth that we're all going through stuff. We're all in some way connected. We're all struggling. I wish that weren't a truth, but it is. We're all facing these hard things, whether we're women, men, non-binary. All of us individually are going through hard stuff. And I think it's been very liberating to just story after story after story, see that truth and realize not only do I need to continue to give myself more permission to let things, put things down, to go on those walks, to get to know myself more. But in doing that, again, I'm setting forth a path, I think, for other people to do it too. I always think of my niece who's 17 years old. 
So I think that's liberating. It's it's a hard reality. It's sad, but it's also mm. liberating the fact that we are truly in this together. We are connected. Mm. And at the end of it, you know, at the end of the game, you, you think about, you hear those stories about people being on their deathbeds or people unfortunately falling gravely ill. What are the things that you regret? And I think so many times it's not being kinder to yourself, not spending more time with the people that you love. So we're all facing this weird stuff that society has put on us. So it's just freeing to learn that more and more, like, you don't have to do it. I don't have to do it. Let's just go have more fun. Yeah, let's do that. Let's go have more fun, <laughs> Stacy. I'm on board. Thank you. Thank you, friend. Thank you, co-visionary, for spending this time with me, with our audience. I so appreciate you. I am so excited for all that you will bring to what is currently Liberty Road and how you will help to transform it to be a place that is a safe space and a community building space based on all the things we just talked about. But thank you for spending this time with us. Thank you, Netta. Absolutely. And Liberty listeners, thank you guys. Thanks for hanging out. I'm so glad you got some time to get to know Stacy. You will be seeing all things that Stacy has helped us to reimagine in terms of content on the website and officially ushering this more than a podcast platform that we are creating for you guys. So thanks for hanging out and we will talk to you guys next week. Bye for now. Liberty Road is broadcast on all platforms, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and more. If you like what you've heard, please follow, rate, and review Liberty Road on Apple Podcast and Spotify. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping you to move into your middle third with intention. Liberty Road is created by executive producer Netta Jones, supervising producer Elizabeth Windham, producer Julia Windham, and music by Jack Jones. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.